Hello, and welcome to my Tin Talk. In this week's episode, I want to dive into depression. I want to talk about it, what it is, what it looks like, some some triggers, why it may be happening, uh, my personal experiences with it, um, my personal experiences seeing it, and just kind of why it's taboo or if it's taboo or just I want to shine a light on depression and uh, hopefully educate some people, bring some awareness to it and hopefully make some people who are going through it, experiencing it or seeing it and family members more comfortable discussing it um, in general. So that's what the premise of this week's episode is. Hopefully you guys stay for the ride, but here we go. So first things first, I want to actually just break down depression into simple terms. Depression is a mood disorder characterized by specific symptoms that are persistent for two or more weeks. To help us get a better understanding of the symptomology consistent with depression, I went ahead and logged on to the National Institute of Mental Health just to review the symptomology and kind of match it to what I was familiar with, with nursing school and my own experiences, and kind of came up with a general list of common depression symptoms, which included persistent feelings of sadness or emptiness, hopelessness, irritability, guilt, worthlessness, loss of interest in things that you were once passionate about, fatigue, restlessness or insomnia, changes in appetite, sudden weight change, and suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts. The types of depression range from seasonal affect disorder to postpartum to major depressive disorder. There's many different types and also different mood disorders that have a symptomology that includes depression. Some of the risk factors include genetics, because we know mood disorders do run in families. There are psychological risk factors as well as environmental, meaning that the environment you grow up in or the environment that you are currently living in can affect your risk for depression as well. Other possible risk factors include medications and or illnesses that can cause and or worsen someone's current depression. To wrap up this first segment where we just generally describe what depression is, I'd like to talk about what the treatment options are. Again, I'd like to remind my listeners that I am not a doctor or a licensed therapist, just a licensed practical nurse and a nursing student who has both experienced depression firsthand as well as witnessed it in patients and family. So to get the best suggestions, I went ahead and logged back onto the National Institute of Mental Health and just again verified that the suggestions that I plan to mention were consistent with a credible source, and they were. So the two major treatment options include psychotherapy or talk therapy, where you speak to a psychologist or a licensed counselor about your emotions and feelings and kind of get treatment that way. There's also treatment via a psychiatrist who is able to also prescribe you medications to help treat your mood disorders and manage them. Other treatment options that don't necessarily treat depression at the root, but can help make it better or prevent it from getting worse are dietary changes. A well-balanced diet can help improve your mood. There's also things like getting exercise regularly and getting out in the sun and getting some vitamin D. 
Again, these treatment options also depend on the specific type of depression that you're battling. So the best option would be to see your primary provider to talk about your best treatment options and or a referral to obtain your best treatment options. Okay, I apologize for the PowerPoint-esque school lesson type discussion I had to begin this podcast off with, but I really wanted to stress the major things associated with depression and treatment options before I went into my own kind of personal story related to depression and things like that. So again, I apologize and hope I didn't bore you and instead informed and educated you. But if I did, here's something a little bit more relatable to help get you back in. So these next few parts of the podcast are very personal. I only recorded them one time through and I tried my hardest not to edit any of it just so it can come across as personal and as genuine as it is and my feelings can clearly be um, heard because they can't be shown. So just bear with me for the next few segments because I want to share this, but again, I only recorded it one time over and tried my best not to touch it or edit it. I do have a few personal experiences with depression, one of them being my mom, who suffered from pretty severe depression all through my childhood and even sometimes to this day. And growing up, I didn't actually recognize the depression at all. Even when I was in my junior, senior year of high school and we had health and we had, you know, suicide prevention and bullying and all these kind of things going on and all of the things that we learned about, I still didn't recognize like the signs, the symptoms. I didn't even kind of realize or even acknowledge or even like come to the realization that my mom was even suffering from anything, let alone depression. And my junior year in high school, my mom attempted to commit suicide and that kind of just changed a lot of things about my life and the life of my family. I remember I was sleeping over in my best friend's house at the time and that night my mom and I had gotten into a pretty big argument but of course I was like 15, 16, like it happens and um I had gone to the movie theater with them that night and like in the middle of the movie theater like we were watching an actual movie my phone rang and I picked it up and it was my mom and she was just calling and just saying like how sorry she was about the argument and how sorry she was about everything and just really really apologetic and I was like okay mom like movie's on I gotta go love you bye-bye okay gotcha 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 and then that was it and then the next day we were driving around like my friend who I was sleeping over at her house she lived like right around the corner and we were driving by the house and everything and I remember specifically like calling her to check in and she answered and she sounded like off like very very lethargic um but she said that she just didn't feel well and I was like oh okay and that was that and then a couple hours later I actually came home and I found my brother and sister's father who we all lived with at the time um home and my mom wasn't there and I don't really remember how he told me or how I found out, but I do remember being told that uh, she was in the hospital. And I think I was told that she 
did try to commit suicide, but I don't, like, that part's really fuzzy. What I do remember is having to, like, run back to my best friend's house and, like, ask her to give me a ride to the hospital and going to see my mom and her being completely out of it. Like, she didn't, like, she was alert and, no, she wasn't even alert. She was responsive, but not alert and oriented by any means. And, um, I remember waiting there at my best friend until my boyfriend at the time got there. And then I don't think I really processed anything then. Cause even then I don't remember like my specific emotions on what I thought was wrong or if I was angry at her, if I was upset. But, um, I just remember being sad, like very upset and sad and like not knowing how to explain this and not knowing how to process it. So fast forward to a few weeks after the fact, um, when you do something like that, like when you attempt suicide, there are consequences of it. Like you people, I understand that there are, wow, this is really difficult um, to kind of put into words. Um, there's no judgment for people being depressed or in a dark place, but there are repercussions for attempting a suicide and just suicide in general. Like There's repercussions for anything that you do in this world, but um, the repercussions that took place after my mom attempted suicide, like I couldn't even imagine would have happened. So I wasn't home, but I was 17 at the time, and my siblings were home, and they were a little bit younger. So because she attempted to commit suicide with them there, she lost custody of them, technically didn't have custody of me, could only have supervised visits with us, could no longer live in the house with us. Um, I ended up having to live with my brother and sister's father, and my father was in jail at the time, so uh, that wasn't, like, I technically was under guardianship by him because my mom was unable to be my guardian and my dad was in prison so I questioned possibly getting emancipated but again I was 17 I was going to be 18 in a few months I just didn't see the point um so yeah it was very difficult because my mom does not have the strongest support system um my mom does not have the most understanding or no offense to family members who I love, educated support system. So when she went through this, she struggled tremendously. And I would say at points was uncompliant. And um, I think that a lot of the reasons her depression got as bad as it was, was because the lack of advocacy on her part related likely to the depression that she had diagnosed, been diagnosed with. And that's another thing I want to go into about medications and treatment of depression because she was on an antidepressant but that's something we're going to go into a little bit later so just know that so after all that happened and took place I had to see my mom struggle through therapy and other meds and so many different things and shelters and so many different things because she couldn't be at home with us and none of those things made it any easier for her to get through what she was struggling with on the inside like Imagine that you're already depressed, you already tried to commit suicide, you failed suicide, and you're still depressed, so you just feel like a hundred times worse, or I don't even know how much worse, and then you lose custody of your kids on top of that, your kids are now, well, you think your kids are now probably judging you just like the rest of the world about what you did, even though you have not 100% full control over your thoughts right now, 
and then you don't have anywhere to live and can't see your kids without being supervised and just thing on top of thing on top of thing and have to go to court and all these different things. So, um, I thank God every day that she made that, that she made it through. Um, I thank God every day that he didn't take her at that time because there was really so many things that could have gone wrong and she might not have made it. And I honestly don't even know what I would do if she didn't. Um, And I like to think that now she's doing better and she's healthier, but I'm not going to lie and say that that didn't affect me um, or change me for the rest of my life. I'm not going to lie and say that whenever I can't get in contact with her for long periods of time, a small part of me doesn't worry that she attempted again or that she's not going to ever answer. Um, Because that wouldn't be true. Like, I still worry about that every day. Not every day as frequently as it was. But, like, it's hard not to. I have a pretty close relationship with seeing depression but then it goes to another level because most people know that mental illness is sometimes passed down you know uh, it's common knowledge that the mental illness runs in families and um I would never consider myself someone who was like a depressed person or going through depression like I read old journals and stuff of like you know teen angst and stuff and I was like oh wow I must have been really sad but never remember actually feeling like not myself that's the best way I can explain it like I've been sad I've been upset I've been hurt I've been angry but I've never felt like it affected my ADLs I never felt like I wasn't myself I was never afraid of how I felt, but that happened in 2017. We're getting personal here. It it started really gradually, if I'm being honest. Like, I remember in 2016, I had a really great year. Um... I went to Ultra for the first time. I went to Mexico, got my passport and traveled. Like, I had a great time. I was living on my own. I had my dog with me and my two best friends. And, like, good job, great vacation time. Like, everything was going great. So, at the end of 2016, I went to Vegas, had a great time, all these fun things. And then I got sick in December. I got sick in December, and I was out of work for, like, a week. And I recovered pretty okay, but, like, it did take a lot out of me. But January came by, and I was like, do I want to go do this semester? At this time, I was still not sure I can do the nursing program because I was working at a really good nursing job in a position that usually an RN would work in, and it did not allow for me to go to school during the day. Like, I could not commit to this program with this job. So I decided, like, oh, no, I don't need this nursing program right now I could just just do my end goal being pre-med I'll just go the pre-med route forget the RN I don't need an MLPM I'll go pre-med that'll be it so I switched my major packed on the classes and 
tried to get back to like my normal life of being psychotically busy and all this kind of stuff. And it didn't work. I remember just like, the first thing I noticed was that I didn't feel like myself. And I remember calling my mom and be like, I just want to be like the old Tunisia. Like, I miss the old Tunisia. I want to be able to like do my work and do this like the old, like I would just keep saying, like, I want to be like the old Tunisia. And then it would be like me looking in the mirror and like looking at myself and like not liking who I was looking at. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, you're too fat or you're just getting like, I didn't have body issues. Like, I'm not super in shape, but I'm not like out of shape either. So it wasn't like a body image issue by any means. It just, I did not like the person I was becoming. I was, I felt my drive like dissipating and I couldn't control it. I didn't know why. And I hated that because I'm extremely type A and extremely goal oriented. And I don't know what to do when I'm not doing something. So it was freaking me out. So then I was like, I talked to my mom and I'm like, mom, like I'm getting kind of ner- like scared. Like I don't, I feel like I'm not myself. I don't know how to, like, I want my old self back. I don't know what to do. And then I remember going to Disney in February with my family. And at that point, I was still, I was still trying to track along with work, um, my homework and stuff, and get my um, schoolwork in order. But it, it wasn't going well. The motivation still wasn't there. And with the whole major change and stuff, like... I was, like, having a full-blown identity crisis. Like, I didn't know if I still wanted to be a nurse, if I still wanted to be a doctor, if I wanted to be in school anymore. I was just, I remember I kept saying, I'm just tired. I'm so tired. And I shouldn't be this tired at this age. Literally, that's like that's the only emotion I can muster, that I'm just tired. And I'm tired of being tired, and I don't want to be tired anymore. So I remember we went to a family trip to Disney, my dad and his fiance and my step-siblings. And I remember my dad was gonna propose, so I had the ring and like I try, I had like I had a really good time, but I remember at the end we were at Magic Kingdom on the first day. At the end, you go to the I've never been. This is my first trip to Disney, so I was happy, but I just I fell off still. So at the end of the first day, we went to Magic Kingdom and we saw the fireworks show. And when I tell you, like, he proposed at the fireworks show. And if anyone would ask, they would have assumed that's why I was bawling. But it was because I was, like, truly touched by the words of, like, the people at Magic Kingdom. Like, it really hit home about, like, reaching your dreams and, like, just doing what you have to do and all these things. And all of that, plus what I was feeling and not feeling myself, just kind of hit dead on. Um, I come back and I still don't feel all right. I still don't feel great. Um, I start like offhandedly, subconsciously thinking about like death and like dying. Like not like, oh, I'm going to go kill myself. It's not I'm going to do it. Like nothing like that. But just like, mm, if I die, I die. Like, you know, if this happens, like it wouldn't be a huge deal. Like, you know, like just nonchalantly being okay with death. And just being, like, genuinely not myself. And slowly and more surely being becoming more and more afraid of, like, my own thoughts. Like, 
Why am I feeling this way? Why don't I feel right? Why can't I be happy? I have a house. I have a job. I have a car. Like, why am I not appreciating these things? Why am I not further along in my career than I want to be? Like, it's just all these different things. And I remember not being able to sleep and just being up at like 3 a.m. and just upset. And I just remember so many different emotions. A few different things stick out with me during this period of time. Um, one of them being, I had just stayed up like, uh, to like two or three in the morning that me and Rose had, my roommate, best friend, had just moved in together that February and the apartment complex was like just built. So it was like brand new and no one really parked out or like there yet or moved in. And I remember it had to be like two or three in the morning. I like called my mom and I was like upset, just like so upset. And I remember like going outside because I couldn't be this like this loud and worked up in the apartment because like Rose was sleeping. I remember going outside in the middle of the parking lot and just laying flat my back on the cement and crying to my mom. Like just crying hysterically like like why am I like this? I don't want to feel this way. I don't know what to do. I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't know how to fix this. What's going on? Why do I feel this way? Just so upset and just heartbroken and just confused and lost. Like, I've never felt that much overwhelming emotion, that much heaviness on my heart. Like, and I didn't know where it came from, why, what triggered it, what was going on. So, yeah, that was what I was going through. Other things that were significant, like, self-checks I could have noticed while going through were things like I wasn't checking my mail. I wasn't keeping up with my bills at the time. Like, they weren't falling behind, but, like, anything that wasn't automatic wasn't getting, like, on clock paid right um i wasn't reaching out to people uh i was going out a lot by myself i remember going out a lot by myself and then meeting up with friends later on like because i wanted to get out and try to mimic the good times i had in the past and like be happy but then i would get out and i wouldn't be happy still so then i would just be more guilty for wasting time and not doing this or not doing that I felt like I was, like, dead inside for, like, a period of time. And to this day, I still can't explain why or what might have triggered it. It could have been a bunch of things, but I could never... I was never able to relate to depression or people who were depressed or have experienced depression in any way until after I went through that in 2017 and I will never forget that because I don't know about anybody else but for me a little part of me is always afraid that that's going to happen again a small part of me is always hyper vigilant and paranoid that something's going to happen and I'm going to just spiral and I'm not going to know why and I'm not going to know when, and I'm not going to know 
if I'm able to pull myself back up again. Because I also don't know how in the world that happened either outside of a God-given miracle. I have personally, firsthand witnessed depression and continue to witness it in family and have firsthand experienced it myself. And I wouldn't say that it's a condition where you're completely thinking in your right mind. I wouldn't say that it's something to take lightly. It's not just a sign or a symptom like pain or sadness or crying or, you know, yelling. Like those are, those are signs and symptoms. Sadness is a sign and, and, and hurt. They're all signs and symptoms, but depression is actually a diagnosis that encompasses all of those things, but is so much more on a chemical level. And I don't think people take it seriously enough. I don't think people recognize the importance of understanding what it is, understanding what it looks like, and understanding what you need to do for yourself. Uh, In general, just take care of yourself. Hello, and welcome to the final session of this episode of Welcome to My Tin Talk. So far, you've heard me talk about depression. I explained what it was, what it looked like, what some symptoms were, how it could be treated, and even went into some very personal stories that I've experienced in my own life to help people gain a better understanding and relate more to depression. My goal with all of this was to make depression less of a taboo subject and more of a subject that people wanted to talk about and felt like they could share with their friends and close family. At the end of the day, as a nurse and a nursing student and just a advocate for patients and things like that, my goal is to make people feel comfortable advocating for themselves, venting, and being open with their emotions. I never want anyone to feel like they can't come to me with something or have to keep anything bottled up. Because at the end of the day, the more open you are, I feel like the healthier you can be. So in this final session, all I want to do is kind of reiterate some important facts and um, points that I talked about today, and then really just kind of wrap it up and leave it to you guys to ask me some questions if you have any. So the first point I want to make known is that if you or someone you know is experiencing depression and you think that they might be suicidal or at risk of harming themselves or others, you need to get in contact with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that can be reached at 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. If you or anyone you know feels like they're just going through depression and they need to talk about it with somebody and open up and kind of work through those emotions, you should get in contact with your primary provider and help them help you find the best solution to your feelings, possibly a therapist or something of that nature. I advise everyone to just try their best to be open 
to listening to their friends and family. I know that it's not always easy to listen to your friends and family when they're hurting, but if you are able, if you're not in a toxic or hard place yourself, and you're able to open up your ear to somebody else, I advise that you do that. But again, there's a fine line between being a person to vent to and being a therapist. So keep that in mind as well. If you guys have any questions or concerns about things that are not part of the personal story, you can go ahead and look up depression or any other mood disorder on the National Institute of Mental Health's website. And if you have any personal questions for me about my experiences, you can reach out to me at my Instagram, which is at Tanasia I, at T-I-N as in Nancy, A-S-I-A-I. And I'd be happy to answer you via my DMs. Again, I hope you had a wonderful experience. I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And thank you for coming to my Tin Talk. There was something that I wanted to add to this podcast that was so important to me that I'm actually adding it after I've already published it, but it's something that I wrote a few months ago or a year ago about depression after speaking with a family member who did not completely understand what someone who was depressed is going to in their th- going through in their thought process. So here it is. The thing many people don't realize about depression and mental illness is that it is a sickness. You are offset on a chemical level, and the etiology shouldn't take precedence over the overall treatment, except in aiding treatment. There is this stigma that people who are depressed and attempt and or are successful in suicide are selfish. I think that this is way more complicated. In my experience, depression changes who you are. Things, people, and places don't hold the same value they once did. And if you fall deep enough, nothing seems like it's enough to keep you here. You have this dreaded sense of unhappiness and you are fully aware of it being there, but you have no idea why it's there or how to make it go away. People assume you have control over it, that you can just be happy or should be happy because, you know, there are other people who have it worse than you. I can't. We can't. It's not under my control or our control. Do people not think we wish to be happy? We wish we knew how to readjust and go back to that feeling of happiness that others so easily and frequently experience? The scariest thing about depression, besides the stigma, is the fact that like many other illnesses and diseases, it is not biased. Depression can hit anyone at any time or place, no matter how beautiful, rich, or overall well-off they are. People need to remember that depression is a mental illness, not a material illness. What we have externally will not offset depression because it has to do with what's going on internally. Many people go their whole lives battling these internal internal demons. And though it is tedious and exhausting, some of us actually win. Some don't. Some become so worn, fall so deep, that they lose this battle to themselves. Suicide. It seems like the only answer when you're so far gone, you no longer know who you are and what is keeping you here. When it's just you, your illogical, chemically imbalanced self alone with your demons at your weakest. Suicide is not the answer. There are unlimited resources, people, experiences, and places out there, and there's no telling where you are supposed to fit in the bigger picture. If you take anything from this at all, it's understand that holding on for another day may seem hard, but it is not impossible. Take life one day at a time. 
push yourself to go through the motions of life. Try to find a goal and get competitive about it. Get competitive about life in general. As cliche as it sounds, life goes on. And though it's hard at times, nothing is stopping you from going on with life except death. I know that in the darker parts of life, you want it to stop. But personally, when I break it down, it's not actually life, but factors and aspects of it. What's occurring, what we are feeling, what is happening to us. These things are a part of life, but they aren't life itself. Life is the ability to do a complete 360 and change your trajectory. Life is the ability to start anew. It's the ability to survive and make sure one less person loses the battle you almost lost. The people, the opportunities, and experiences that have not yet occurred. The future is full of possibilities and chances where you can make a difference. There is no one else out there like you. No one has your soul, your life, your light. Your life is valuable and irreplaceable.